Welcome back to Workwoman Performance Review Process Time. Now this might be a little bit strange because I'm about to go into the performance review process that should happen annually. Ideally this is happening at the end of November, early December, and it's July. So why am I doing this? Well, if you do not have your core values in place and you have not rolled those out strategically to your team and you haven't started to do that prep work, the performance review process is going to be very challenging for you to implement. Now, why might that be? Well, the performance review process is based on the core values. Remember when we talked about in the mission, vision, and core values podcast that the purpose of core values is to hire, reward, and fire using them? Well, the performance review process is the reward piece. There should be different mechanisms within your organization that allow for somebody to be rewarded because they are living into your core values. See, that's what makes a good core value versus a bad core value. Is it actually workable? Could you promote and continue to have people evolve using the words that you've chosen? For us, a word like discipline, like my discipline today is very different than my discipline when I was first starting out and I've gotten better and better and better, but there's at no point in time where I will be 100% disciplined in every single thing that I do for the rest of my life. Like there is always upward mobility. Same with core value, like accountable. When I'm first starting out, I can be accountable for getting my tasks done and checking off a checklist and ensuring that I'm doing every single thing that I need to do and have been assigned to. But as I grow in my role and I transition into different responsibilities, the accountability might be, okay, I'm not just responsible for, or I'm not just accountable for checking these five items off, I'm now accountable for ensuring that everything in the organization is happening the way that it should be happening. And I'm addressing things and confronting things that are uncomfortable for me in the moment, but that have to be addressed because I'm accountable to making sure that the result is successful. So in picking core values, we'll, we will revisit this towards the end of the year and I will give you guys specific tips and tools and tricks and all of those things in order to truly set this process up for success. But you gotta do some groundwork with your core values before that. So with that, I know you're curious, like how do we actually use these core values in the performance review process? Ideally, you are sending out a document to your whole team, telling them what the performance review process is going to look like. So it is not a surprise. The last thing that you wanna do is surprise your team members as to what they are being graded on and this also like doing this earlier in the year helps with this, right? Because if I know in July that come November or December, I'm either going to get a promotion or I'm not gonna get a promotion, I'm gonna get feedback that I need to fix something based on this set of criteria. Well, why wouldn't you give me that criteria before the test already arrived? Why don't you allow me to study and do some prep work? So this preparation, I mean, this standardized preparation, there's three pages on it. Uh, so that it just is an easy process. Uh, there's the surprise element of it that uh, you, you don't want to do. This is not a time where you want to just like, surprise, this was the criteria, even if it's a good thing. Think about this with a promotion. Many organizations like to just make it really special when somebody gets promoted instead of promoting the very specific things that they did that allowed them to create more value. And so if I'm just, rewarding somebody and there wasn't a clear process that was outlined, I can't really duplicate that across everybody because there wasn't a specific process. So this whole idea of surprises, like nobody nobody should be surprised in the performance review process. Uh, additionally with that, 
performance review. Think about, before we just dive into framework, think about what those words are. This is a performance review process. Now, you as a leader might be good at reviewing performance. You might also be bad at it. Like you, you might have never set up the expectations initially so that the review process is uh, fairly seamless or happening constantly. I, I find that there really are two types of business owners. One, where they are giving too much feedback that's like every single day there's something that's being done wrong and that they're calling their team members out on it. Or there's the other type of business owner that doesn't give any feedback and somebody could be working in that organization for years and years and years and never actually received direct feedback about how things could get better. Now, let's think about that. If I'm talking about the business owner right now with different team members, let's say you have 10 team members, everybody reports to you. Imagine how difficult that gets if this isn't in place with managers who are managing team members and you're not the one that's responsible any longer for all of the feedback that's being given. I've never found that managers are off the bat great at giving feedback in a way that really is constructive and helps team members learn and grow. And with something like this, when you're prepping somebody, you're also providing training. Think about it this way. You're also providing training for your managers to be more successful in giving feedback. Because if you as a business owner are struggling with these things, why would your managers be more committed to having hard conversations than you are, right? It's, it's backwards when you think of it that way. So again, performance review process, it solves a variety of issues. It creates this transparency. It creates this consistency for team members to know what they're being measured against. But it also, almost most importantly, is the, the living into piece and equation of your core values. Without this mechanism, you can hire off of core values and use it in your review process. And you can fire somebody because they weren't disciplined or they never followed up or whatever those issues are, but you're missing the in-between, which is the bulk of where your team members are. Like they're working for you today and they're wanting to get better and they're needing to add more value, but you're not having a, a systemized process for that to take place. So this performance review really does utilize something that's already in the environment being your core values and making sure that everybody understands where they're measuring up to Am I doing this right or am I not doing this right? Okay, so there are two different components to this core values assessment. One is the manager version, meaning the manager fills this out on behalf of and really for their team. And then the other component is the team member fills it out for themselves. So let's just pretend like my manager's name is Bob. So Bob would fill out the manager core value assessment, meaning he would assess Natalie on her ability to be inspirational, disciplined, accountable, results-oriented, transparent, and aligned. Then entirely separately, Natalie, myself, I'm gonna say, okay, how on a plus, neutral, or minus scale, how am I ranking my own performance on all six of these core values? So Bob does it separate, I do it separate. I send mine to Bob. Ideally, Bob does not look at my own assessment prior to making his own assessment because that would kind of cloud the, the different perspective that he would have so that he can just look freshly at this to say, okay, how over the course of the last year is Natalie either creating inspiration, kind of neutral and not really that inspirational or being a, a drainer? And th that's the, the, the form of assessment that he would be going through. Then the next step, is not just a plus, neutral, and negative. It's actually using 
one of the core values to give strengths. So I'm going to identify as Natalie the core value. Let's say I was incredibly inspirational from my standpoint this year. I did a great job of creating energy inside the team environment. Uh, any meeting that I went on, I viewed myself as really responsible for guiding and leading during difficult times. I would list inspiration and then the examples of when I was inspirational on the next side of the, side of this form. You can do this for a number of core values. In our form, we specifically have spaces for two, so two strengths in two core values, and then opportunities list two core values and what the examples were for each of them. So let's say I said inspirational and um, for opportunities, one of my areas of opportunity would be accountable. Even though I've done a great job as a solo performer, I've not been accountable as a team in holding everybody else and making sure that they're successful. So even though I'm strong, the rest of the team didn't hit their targets and I didn't take any of that as part of what I was supposed to do over the course of the year and the team still failed at the end of the year even though I was successful in my pieces. In that scenario, I would list accountable in that and then list the example as to why. Now, something to look out for. I've done hundreds of these performance reviews and as a manager, it is a red flag if somebody is only listing one area of opportunity. And I get that this like, it can be kind of hard, like what is right or wrong and how do you really draw a clear line in the sand? But any top performer is going to have a number of areas where they identify, oh, I could be better here and I could be better here and I could be better here. If somebody isn't aware enough to be able to identify more than one area of opportunity, they really aren't looking. So it is not a good thing when somebody only has one area of opportunity that is listed. So on the manager side, I do this myself and then Bob would also list the core value that I was the strongest at, give me examples of where I was strong and then list the core values that I have opportunities in and then list the examples. In an ideal scene, the team member assessment is the same as the manager assessment, but in some cases they will not be the same. So we're gonna address that in just a second. After that, um, the team member, so myself, I'm going to list uh, via a prompt where it says, what additional support can your manager provide to help you achieve the next level of success in your role and career? This is really a place where I've now identified my areas of opportunity and my areas of strength. I'm asking for, like, how can my manager help me? What training, what support, what coaching? And there's, there's not supposed to be any sort of judgment on the manager at this point. If, if they are being a bad manager, this definitely does bubble up here. And as a leader, I'm looking at those pieces of feedback that the team is giving their managers so that I can help coach those managers because they either report to me or I know somebody who they report to. Uh, but that really is a place for the team member to be able to truly identify, okay, what areas are the manager, is the manager not fully stepping into the coach role and has areas of opportunity? And then the final piece of that is the PPF side. So after me as the employee fill out positive, neutral, negative for each core value, strength, opportunity for four core values, and then the uh, manager and PPF piece, I submit that to my manager. My manager has already done the core values assessment, but then there's a second set of performance ratings that the manager will go over with the team member. And our performance ratings are job knowledge, work quality, attendance and punctuality, productivity, communication skills, listening skills, dependability, and overall rating. 
again, the team knows that those are the criteria. So throughout the year, if they're not being productive, it's not like some surprise that productivity is important to us. The manager fills that out. And then during the conversation, the manager has now read the employees. The manager is also going through their own. And as I said earlier, in an ideal scene, the areas of opportunity are also the areas of opportunity for the manager. But if that's not the case, this is how we handle that. So in the conversation, you would say, you know, these three things we were aligned on, but this one you said that you were really strong on, and I had these examples. You would talk through those examples. In an ideal scene, in the one-on-one, -on -one, which I know we talked about just a few weeks ago, you're giving that feedback in real time, so it's just not some big surprise at the end of the year that somebody did some massive thing wrong, and you're like, the employee's thinking, well, wait a second, why didn't you tell me that back then? I could have fixed it or course corrected. The one-on-one -on -one is supposed to do that. But this is the documentation for, we address this in your one-on-one, -on -one. it was a big hindrance over quarter two. You've fixed certain pieces of behavior, but some of these things still need to be worked on. So you, in some cases, could use this as a reason for why you shouldn't promote the person because it was so negatively impacting that team or that department and they didn't end up achieving their goals because of it. That would be a reason for why somebody isn't promoted. But it's equally not the place to just like surprise somebody and say, hey, you're not gonna get promoted because you did this one thing in the first quarter even though it's three quarters later. Does that make sense? Are you guys tracking with me over there? Okay, just checking. Um, when there's a lack of alignment, and oftentimes there will be, you have this mechanism that is one of the one of the little tools that I'm very grateful, I'm gonna like pat myself on the back for this one, um, that I'm very grateful that I thought of because it would be a little awkward, right? You both have different feedback and then what are next steps after hearing this feedback? So after having done this many years in a row, uh, what I recognized is this idea of the next step after this assessment being a development plan. So all of this feedback has now been given over the course of a 30 minute or 45 minutes performance review conversation. The next step is for the team member to say, okay, this is my area of opportunity. This is what my manager said. Here are the four to six areas based on that review that I'm going to work on over the course of the next year so that Either I can continue to be a top performer and things can go better, uh, or so that I can be promoted and be considered for that in the next year. But they're they're likely longer term projects. It's not like, oh, I'm just gonna check this off the box. The development plan, the think of development, it doesn't it's not gonna happen overnight. It's not like the expectation is within two weeks you're gonna have all these items checked off. This could be a communication challenge, like somebody is having a hard time um, giving harsh feedback or confronting when something's going wrong so they kind of just let it linger in the environment. That is something that you would need to work on with somebody and coach them, but in the one-on-one -on -one process, if you remember development plan, there's a whole section in there that's dedicated in the one-on-one -on -one to ensure that those things really are getting developed over that next year. So after the performance review, the development plan is then sent to the team member for them to fill out. The team member has about a week to take the feedback and to look at their own to create this plan. Then in, in the one-on-one, -on -one, it's confirmed with the manager and the team member, hey, these things look good. This actually came up this year, and, and I think this is uh, an important note. What do you do when you've given feedback it was different from the team members' assessment of themselves. And then the development comes, comes back and it's not in alignment with the feedback that you gave. 
has happened in a handful of occasions with, with us over the course of the last few years. And that is an area where you would link back to the core values. And for us, it would likely be aligned. We would use the core value of aligned to say, hey, wait a second. In this documentation, I said this. And in this documentation, you said that. But when this development plan came back and we were kind of crystallizing what the plan looks like, we are not aligned based on these two forms of documentation. So you, again, go back to utilizing these core values and continuing to implement them. It's not because the person didn't hear you or you're calling them stupid or like they're not paying attention. It's like, wait a second, I need to make sure we're aligned here because these two things are off. And the beautiful part about having actual documentation of these things is you can show somebody, wait, I actually said this, this, and this. Where is that here? Because if, if this is an area of opportunity and there's this, this plan that we're about to agree on, but you're not addressing the opportunity, what, what is this plan? We're not aligned on these two things. I can't stress enough how much documentation really does help you. Uh, it, it also protects you from an HR standpoint. But when that happens, you use a core value like align to get back aligned. Then you say, you know, this development plan isn't approved. Go back, review the... Uh, feedback and then come up with four to six ways that we can start implementing these courses you can go to, books you can read, things that I can hold you accountable and help coach you through in order to make this area of opportunity maybe not a strength but at least not something that's a, a blind spot for the team member. So areas of development are listed. There's four to six of them depending on you know where the team member is at. Ideally they're giving you six and you're maybe cutting it down to four. The second column on that is estimated hours. It's incredible when you identify, I have a communication issue, okay? Let's say this was a very real one to me. I wasn't able to speak publicly. Um, I was very nervous about it and would avoid certain situations. So if my area of opportunity uh, from Brandon or Bob, I guess we're gonna call him, we'll, we'll continue to call him Bob. If my area of opportunity was that I was not confident speaking in public, areas of development might look like attending a speech course well how many hours does a speech course actually take so let's think about that if it's a one hour course or maybe it's a weekend course so it's 16 hours 16 hours over a whole year if i don't actually do the course am i really committed to making this better no not really if i can't figure out how to take two days to, in order to do this then i'm not really really willing to do what it's going to take and i'm not really committed to this next level so these this estimated hours like makes it real let's say it's a book maybe i need to read a book about um i'm not as comfortable with creating key performance indicators and so i need to better understand operational drivers and levers in a business so i'm going to read two books well, if you look at the audio of those two books and it says each book is eight hours, it's 16 hours. So it's, it's not like it's this massive amount of time to do this massive, uh, to do this massive development. It's very bite-sized chunks that you're saying, this is how many hours it's going to take. And then this is the quarter that you're going to do it in. Okay. We got really technical there for a minute. Uh, this works like magic. It really does. Uh, and it sets the whole year up for success when it comes to being able to truly empower your managers to be coaches with their team members and to hold them accountable. If you have other performance reviews, um, either bad experiences or great things that you've, uh, you've experienced over the course of your career that you actually implement in your business, I would 
love to hear it. And I'm excited to get closer to performance review time because I'll give you some of the, the nitty gritty tips on all sorts of scenarios that can potentially go wrong. With that, please share this. If this was helpful to you, if you're about to do performance reviews or you know somebody who's about to do it, give it a share. Give me some five-star ratings. If you have fours, that's okay too. I'm very open to feedback. I wanna know what you guys wanna learn more about. I happen to particularly like these really operational, tactical things, but if you want other types of content, maybe B. Dawson needs to come back on the podcast. Uh, let me know in the reviews or shoot me a DM. I appreciate you and look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs>